Hello, good people. Welcome to The Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. Are you saved? We're going to talk about what salvation is, what salvation is not, and how to get it. It seems like if we have clarity around anything having to do with our faith, this should be the thing we have clarity around. And here to talk to us, great friend and great theologian, Michael Barber, who wrote a book about this recently. And thanks so much for being with us. Love you guys. I'm glad you're here. Michael Barber, thanks for being with us, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a privilege. I love, every time I get to interact with you, we work in the same building here, right? So every time I get to interact with you, like I, it lifts my spirit up. You could tell that you're you're not just doing this as a, as a job. You smile when you well, talk about the faith. Well, if this stuff doesn't get you excited, then check your pulse. Yes, There's something wrong. Right? Totally. Yeah, a lot of people think you know there's the you know the evangelistic activities that get people engaged in their faith, and that, you know now we have to learn about the faith. Mm. But it's like no, this is what your brain was made for. That's right. When God designed the brain, it was to take Him in. That's right. And you can't love what you don't know. Yes. This was especially true in my own life. For me, I grew up in a Catholic family and went to Catholic school, but it wasn't until I really started to read the Bible and study the Bible that I really wanted to go to church on Sunday. Right? Really? Yeah. When did you start to read and study the Bible? I, I would say when I was about 12 years old. So I went to... What prompted you? Uh, I heard a lecture on theology and uh, it was something my dad wanted me to listen to. By who? Uh, by Skahan. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to get Skahan. Yeah. This is back in the tape days. Back in the you tape days. You put a tape days, in yeah. a cassette. Tapes were awesome. That's right. Anyway, yeah. so you heard yeah. a lecture by Skahan and, and, and that just lit you on fire. It just, it just made me understand that there is a lot more there uh, to, uh, to learn about and to fall in love with. And so uh, I think the more we study, the more we fall in love with the truth. And yes. so I've grown, you know, grown up and gone on to read all kinds of different books and study under all kinds of different, you know, scholars. Mm. And the more I know, it seems, the more I love, and mm. the more I want to learn more. Right. And, and so, the more you love, the more you are driven to know. That's exactly. It's right. just like marriage. I mean, some people draw <laughs> this right. false dichotomy between uh, rules and relationship. That's right. Or, uh, or you know, religion and relationship, or learning and relationship. That's it's right. like any any anyone who's married. You do a quick analogy here. That's right. Uh, I, I can't tell my wife, well, we're not going to have any rules. That's right. We just have a relationship. <laughs> that's like, right. Hey, good yep. luck, buddy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So for me in particular, learning about salvation mm. has become really important. When I was young, I was on a family vacation. We went to Lake Tahoe. Okay. And I remember nothing about that trip except for the fact that we were in the hotel lobby and there was some non-Catholic Christians in the lobby, some other teenagers there. Are you saved? And they asked me that question, are you saved? And it bugged you. And, and I didn't know how to answer. Yeah. And I, we had a great trip, great family trip. I'm sure we went out on the lake up at Lake Tahoe. We did some fun things. Uh, we went there a number of times, so all those events kind of merged together. But I do remember being in the car, riding back from that trip and thinking, I didn't really have a good response. And so, there writing are fundamental this book questions. Is, We're like not a, having a good response should right. bother you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I thought it was a weird we question. Going on, yeah, yeah. Uh, text your questions. 720-650-0100. You can feel free to interrupt our conversation. 720-650-0100. And if you're not watching us live, you should be, because that's how you get to text your questions. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I, thought, I just thought it was a weird question. Are you saved? Yeah. 
And it seemed to me as, as Catholics, we understand that we will be saved, we will get to heaven. Salvation is a future reality. Mm. So have you been saved already? Putting it in those terms really kind of caught me off guard. And I've discovered as I've grown up as a Catholic that this sort of is a problem in, in the church. The lack of clarity. That, yeah, and, and that we often think of salvation merely as a future reality. In fact, we don't talk about salvation, we don't talk about being saved at all, mm. right? On, on Sunday, when we go to Mass, we say the Creed, and we say that the reason Jesus came down from heaven for us men and for our salvation, yeah. right? The whole reason he comes down from heaven for us men, for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Why was he born at Christmas? For our salvation. Why did he die on Good Friday? For our salvation. Why did he rise from the dead on Easter Sunday? For our salvation. Yeah. So it's all about salvation. But then, you know, we don't talk about being saved yeah, as Catholics. Before I ask much. you, what yeah. is salvation? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why is there this lack of clarity that the average right. Catholic can't? I, I almost wonder, is it, was there a reaction against the evangelical movement? Right. That said, we, we don't even want to talk about this? Right. What the I, heck I think, happened? Yeah, I think that part of it uh, is explained on, on those terms. That Catholics think it sounds Protestant, right? If I go to Mass on Sunday, say those words in the Creed, and then go to the eighth sacrament of coffee and donuts after Mass, right? <laughs> and I'm in the hall, and there are all these people in line with me, and I hear somebody in line talking about how he's been saved and how Jesus is his Savior. I'm going to, as a Catholic, suspect that it's a non-Catholic guy visiting the church because Catholics just don't talk about salvation or being tragic. saved. Isn't that true, though? Yeah. It's true, and it's yeah. tragic. It is tragic. So uh, we don't even use the word salvation or being saved. We talk about going to heaven. When am I going to get to heaven? When am I going to get to heaven? When am I going to get to heaven? As if what we're looking forward to is merely in the future. But that's not the way the New Testament presents it. The, the New Testament talks about how we are being saved in the present, how we have been saved, mm -hmm. for example, in our baptism. So what does it mean to be saved? It's, it's about a lot more than just getting to heaven. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately about becoming like Christ and being inserted into the life of love that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit's life. Mm -hmm. So... It's something that actually starts now. It is. It's something that starts right now. And I think one of the things that happens is we start having misconceptions about what salvation yeah, is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just think of salvation as fire insurance. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not going to hell, right? So you'll even hear this in non-Catholic conversations. Yeah. You know, they'll say, are you saved? Yeah. Well, how many good works do you have to do to be saved? Yeah. Well, what do you mean by being saved? You mean just getting out of hell? Because that's not the extent of the vision of salvation in the New Testament, right? My my, uh, my favorite uh, writing from any pope in my lifetime ah. is Space Salvi. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it, it talks important. about that hope of heaven That's right. reaching in and redeeming us now. That's exactly right. That's and it, exactly how it's right. performative, not just informative. That's right. It gets in there, not just the knowledge, but the grace, and it changes everything. Right, it needs to change our lives. Okay, yeah. so so how? How do, we, how do we start to experience salvation now? Right. And why is it important that we grasp that it's not just a future reality. Right. What implications well, does it have in my life? Yeah, I think one really important implication is that salvation is a gift, right? Mm. So we often talk about grace, uh, amazing grace. We sing that yeah. song. But what is grace? I don't think a lot of people know what grace even is. Mm. It's not just prayer before meals, you know? Uh, when I hear the word <laughs> grace, I get hungry. Uh, but, uh, no, grace in the Greek, it, it means gift, mm. right? 
So first and, foremost, first and foremost, salvation is about a gift. It's not just something that I do and earn. It's something that God first gives me. Mm. And, I, and I love that we have this practice as Catholics of infant baptism that illustrates yes. that. You know, uh, we're doing a lot of construction in the building right now. Yeah, People yeah. You'll hear it in the background. <laughs> we, we, do, we were doing some construction, and not long ago, one of the guys who was working in the building uh, came up to me and said, somebody told me I need to talk to you. I'm a non-Catholic. I'm a Bible believer, and I've got a lot of questions about Catholics. And isn't it the case that Catholics believe that you have to earn your salvation, that you have to merit your salvation? I mean, what is the good thing that you have to do? To be saved. Well, first of all, that's the question that the rich young man asks Jesus, how, right? How, yeah, how can I be saved? What, what good thing do? must I do to be saved? Jesus doesn't say, oh, you don't have to do anything. That's right. right? Yeah. It's really in interesting. But we should also point out that as Catholics, we first recognize salvation as a gift. And so I explained to him, well, salvation is associated with baptism. I said, and this is why we baptize infants as, as Catholics, is because it's a grace. Mm. He said, oh, no. You can't baptize infants. You have to make a decision. I said, oh, so you don't believe it's by pure gift. You, you think that you first have to make the decision, that and that's what tri triggers the gift. And it, that blew his mind. He said, well, yeah. I never thought about it like that before. And I said, no, Catholics actually affirm the reality that salvation is a gift, that it's given to us without any merit on our part. That's why when you know my, my son Thomas was born, for example, we got him baptized. It wasn't like he earned it. It wasn't like my wife and I said, well, you know, Thomas has stopped waking us up in the middle of the night. He's a little less of a pagan. He's being more considerate. He's earned it. Let's get yeah, him baptized. Yeah, yeah right? right, right. You know, no, he was baptized as a pure gift, right? Wow. But we recognize, too, that once we're given that gift, that gift is transformative because the gift is nothing other than Christ himself. That's right. beautiful insight because we, yeah. we, we practice as Catholics yeah. what so many of our evangelical brothers and sisters so clearly Preach believe right and believe that's right uh, that a, 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 an infant or that's that someone right. who's who's born and, and it'll never have the mental um, uh, faculties that's right to to speak maybe even that person can be baptized that's right and why that's right because Jesus that's right that's why that's exactly right yep and so that gift that we receive at baptism isn't you know some present that mm. Jesus forges in heaven out of heavenly material it's himself Right? The present that he gives us, the gift that he gives us is himself. So Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So my non-Catholic Christian friends will say things like, oh, well, you can't believe your works are salvific. You can't believe that your works count towards your salvation. And I say, well, why not? Mm. Because my works are Christ's work. It's Christ living in me. Mm. So if you deny that your work is salvific in Christ, then what you're saying is Jesus' work isn't salvific. That would be a problem, wow. right? So yeah. we believe that Jesus works in us, cooperates with us, empowers us to do things we could never do on our own. And so this is why when the rich young man comes to Jesus, you know, he, he asks him, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus tells him, keep the commandments. He says, what more do I lack? Jesus says, sell everything. And he can't do it. And then the disciples say to Jesus, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, with men it is impossible. And so we have to recognize that. I think a lot of people in the church downplay that. And we say, well, you know, it's not that hard. I heard a homily once where a deacon was talking about salvation isn't that hard. You just have to do a few nice things, say your prayers. That's not what Jesus mm -hmm. says. Salvation is impossible. Without right? God. Without and, God. And this, uh, and you're, what you're bringing up here, 
it brings up the personalistic uh, and Christ-centered basis of everything that is Catholicism. That's exactly right. You know, it, and if there's a danger in the intellectual life, or, right. or, in, or in any definitions or, or, or words, That's right. it's that we can almost separate them. Right. And I've heard people talk about sacraments in this way, with almost not even mentioning the person of Jesus. And it's like, right. well, no, no, it's, it's Jesus who is reaching into my life through each sacrament. Right, exactly. What, what is grace? It's God coming in. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and saving me. A hundred percent. Because he loves me. And so if we recognize that, then we understand that we can do what seems to be impossible. And there are, there are also people today that say, well, you know, the, the church's teachings on morality, it's just too difficult. It's, it's too hard. The church should revise its teaching, update its teaching, yeah. make it more doable, realistic. Well, you're preaching that the gospel has to be realistic. You're not preaching the same gospel Jesus taught. Mm. He said, with men, this is impossible, right? Mm. So we have to recognize that what we are called to in marriage is humanly impossible. We have to affirm that, I think. Mm. But then we have to also affirm that Jesus gives us the power to do what is impossible. In the Catechism, where it talks about marriage, it talks about how marital love is a supernatural love. I can't even love my wife in a natural way. That's mm. compelling. But what I'm called to do is love in a supernatural way. The great thing is Christ has made it a sacrament. He's given us his grace so that we can do what is impossible. So those sins that you're struggling with, those trials that you're dealing with, it may seem insurmountable, it may, mm. may seem impossible to overcome, you can overcome them in Christ. There's a there's almost a false mercy preached it, by many right. in the church today. That's the danger, that, right? That mercy is meeting people where they're at. Right. And and then and then just doing doing what? Right. Just sitting there with them? And so, that, that you're literally more useless than any other. Like, right. I want to meet you where you're at and not bring you somewhere. That's right. So it's what not, am I doing? It, it, mercy <laughs> is meeting someone where they are, yeah. right? But, but then, then <laughs> and the example of that that I often use is Zacchaeus, right? Yeah. In the story of the Gospel of Luke, we read about Jesus coming into Jericho, and there's a tax collector named Zacchaeus, and he's unable mm. to see Jesus, and so he climbs up a sycamore tree. And Jesus comes in and he sees Zacchaeus. Now, he's the chief tax collector. He's basically in league with Roman powers that yeah. are oppressing God's people. I mean, these, these were terrible, vicious crimes that mm -hmm. were committed against the Israelites and the Jews in, in Jesus' day. And, and so many people would have rightly been shocked that Jesus would go up to Zacchaeus and when he'd say, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus comes down quickly. But then at the meal where Jesus is present, Zacchaeus stands up and says, whatever I've defrauded someone, I will give it back. I repent basically of this. I will pay it back mm. fourfold. And Jesus then says, it's only after that that he says, salvation has come to this house today. So Jesus mm. meets Zacchaeus at his house, which is shocking. There mm. we see salvation as a gift. Zacchaeus doesn't do anything to earn Jesus's presence in his life, right? Mm. But he comes to his house to do what? To change him. Mm. So God loves us as hands. we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. I just got chills. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love that line. Oh, great. Yeah. Right? I just yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. And it's it's this it's this both and and that's not right. not one or the other. And I think if people fall into error, that's right. It's going into this one or the other. That's and right. there's scriptures that seem to contradict each other mm. that are that in the Catholic view. Right are married perfectly. And I want to point a couple of them sure, out. Sure, sure. You have Ephesians 2. 
uh, that talks about how God is rich in mercy. We were dead, mm-hmm. which which just shows like you can't do anything with your dead body. That's right. And by grace you're saved. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, so no one can boast. You're God's handiworks. Romans five talks about uh, grace and salvation being a free gift multiple times. And then you got Philippians 2, where the same Paul is writing about working out your salvation in fear and trembling. Right. And then Matthew 25. Talk about, I mean, this is the cheat sheet for the final exam. Mm -hmm. If if you get the cheat sheet, you should read it. (laughs) Right? And it's all connected to to works of charity. And the last day, Jesus is going to ask. I was hungry. Did you do anything for me? Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, James 2, faith without works is dead. So, But we have people who, who veer off into two differing directions. What's the problem with each of these directions? One would be a kind of a Pelagianism. Right. And if you could define that yes, for us sure. and what that looks like and why it makes sure. people miserable. Sure. And, and I think I think uh, Catholics might, might tend to veer off in that direction sometimes. And then the other is I just say one prayer and it's the free gift and I don't have to do a dang thing. Spell these these two extremes out for us and what the problem is with each of them. Okay, so first... And and how how do you find the happy middle? First, the big picture is that we have to recognize that our doctrine has to conform to the teaching of God's Word Mm. in Scripture. And so in, for example, the Summa Contra Gentiles, Thomas Aquinas... Which we've all read. Yes, it's it's this great theological treatise where he lays out, for example, the Church's teaching on things like the Trinity and or the divinity of Christ. And he says, well, there are some passages that affirm Jesus is human. There are other passages that affirm Jesus is divine. So which is it? So it's not either or. It's, yeah. We've got to understand how both are true. Mm-hmm. Same thing might be said about salvation. How are both of these things true? Pelagius. Pelagius was an early Christian heretic who believed that you could be saved just by doing good works. All you need are good works. My own power does it. That's right. Just do some, yeah, you can do it on your own. You don't actually need God's help, wow. right, in a, in, a, in a supernatural way, right, that goes beyond our natural faculties. It's a little bit com- complicated here, but yep. the, the, the short version is you can save yourself, right? Mm. And, of course, I've been discovering as I get older how Pelagian I am. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, 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 I become a Pelagian parent. Mm. I recognize this. I come home and... You know, my Legend wife will say, com. yes, exactly, yeah, <laughs> TM, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I come home and, you know, I hear one of the kids had a rough day and my wife will send me up to the room and, you know, it was one of those situations, wait till your father comes home, you know, I go up there, how many times do I have to tell you not to do X, Y, or Z, right? Yeah. And then I say that and I realize, I do the same thing, Yeah. right? And it's done. How many times I confess the same thing (laughs) for years? Exactly, right. Yeah. And so then I've come to now diagnose the problem, I think, a little bit more competently. You know, my my first question is Did you pray today? Mm. Did you Mm. start your day with prayer? And invariably, uh, the answer is no. I didn't spend my, I mean, I said an hour, Father, but did you spend time meditating on Scripture? Did you spend time in not just monologue with God, but dialogue? Did you listen to Him? Did you Mm. spend some time with that? That's the problem, because what does Jesus say in John? I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can only do a few good things. No. no. Apart from me, you can do do nothing. nothing. Do we really believe that? So if we really believe that, we need to cling to prayer Mm. every day, right? So, and we have to recognize what we have to pray is how the church teaches us to pray in the liturgy of the hours, right? The, The prayer book of the church that all priests and monks and many, you know, lay people pray, Lord, 
come, God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. That's how we start the prayer. Because we say, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your help, right? So grace, we need to recognize, we need God's help. We need him to come I really love that. That's I'm going to take that with me. What a great... What a great parenting tip to actually implement the gospel. Right. Zacchaeus wouldn't have been changed had Jesus not showed up at his house. But Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Yes. Right? So first we need Jesus to invite himself into our house. Mm. Right? First thing is prayer, grace. But then on the flip side of this, we recognize once we've received that grace, once we've received that, we're changed. Mm. And so Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work within you. Once God is within you, then you're able to do the impossible, Mm. right? Mm. Salvific works. So we see both of these things can be coordinated in the New Testament. The problem is ancient Jews didn't have this idea that it's either you working or God working. They understood that in the future age when the Messiah came, God would pour out his spirit. We read this in Ezekiel 36. God would pour out his spirit, and God says, and I will cause them to walk in my ways. Praise God. Right? There's almost a a false dichotomy between grace and nature. That's right. As if one's from God and the other's from us. Right. (laughs) Or divine and human agency, right? Who does it? Is it God that does it? Or is it me who, no, Paul would say both. Mm. Because it's God working within you. The New Testament writers just assume that you understand that. Yeah. It's only really after years of being detached from the Old Testament, especially passages like Ezekiel, that we can begin to fall into these false dichotomies. And wow. that's where the, you know, the kind of heretical views emerge. Oh, yeah. Like so, uh, so on one side you have Pelagius, and the other side you have, uh, and someone just texted this question, how do we talk to our Protestant friends about salvation? On the other side you have people who say, are you saved? How do you answer them? Usually when someone right. says that, Right. Uh, what they and, and the the tragedy here is with a lot of the same words. Right. And we mean different things by them. Right. And what totally. they what they might mean is, uh, have you said a prayer mm-hmm. that would then guarantee your salvation, even if tomorrow you become an axe murderer? Right. And it's uh, you know just say the sinner's prayer. Right. How do you answer that question? Right. So first, I like to say, well, what do you mean by being saved? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because do you just mean getting out of hell? Because I think that might mm. be a false view of what the New Testament means yeah. by salvation, right? So I like to take the opportunity to drill deeper into what is the question here. I'd also recognize that there is an ecclesial dimension of salvation. Mm. So it's not just that the Catholic understanding says everything that non-Catholics say, and then we just add as an appendix, you know, the, the church, the papacy, the sacraments, Mary, staple it on. It's not mm. that we just staple on the staple appendix. Staple on the right? appendix, yeah. It's not that, right? The way all of the parts, the way we understand all the different dimensions of salvation are configured, all of that is different in a Catholic perspective. Mm. So it's not just, oh, the Catholic view, the Protestant view, plus a few Catholic things. That's not right. right. That, would be, that would be a problem. One key aspect of this is for Catholics, salvation is ultimately about being delivered from isolation, mm. which is what sin does, divides us, mm. separates us, and being brought into unity right? In communion. And that communion is ultimately the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but it has a visible manifestation in the world in the church, Mm. right? So for Catholics, salvation is about communion, Mm. because the thing you have to be saved from is isolation. Wow, eternal isolation. That's right. I'm thinking of Acts 2, right after Peter preaches the gospel. What are Mm. we to do? 
right. get baptized. And right after that, you have right. the sac right, sacraments, right? That's right. Right after that, you have them breaking bread, mm -hmm. fellowship, prayer. Right. It's, it's this joining into the That's body right. of Christ. Because salvation is not just personal. It's not merely personal. People will say, you know, I want yeah. a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. Salvation is a personal relationship with Jesus. Also yes. with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then also all the other people who are united to the Father, the Son, and the Holy yes. Spirit. Right? Beautiful. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I love the, uh, the, that relational aspect, not just with, with people, with God. The, the, I, and a great lens to understand this through married life. Right. I couldn't earn my wife's love. I still can't. I, she never right. said I love you, to which I, I would say, of course you do. I did the dishes. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a free gift. And yet, obviously, I can throw the gift away. That's right. Obviously, I have to do things to remain in the free gift that That's I could right. never earn, That's to right. grow in the gift. That's right. Um, I, Dang, we're pretty much out of time. <laughs> we, here's what I hope we did. I hope we opened up enough can of worms to, to just get you interested enough to get this because someone texted in, will I be saved if I read your book? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't guarantee that. <laughs> Actually, if you buy the upgraded version, this guarantees your salvation. No, I'm kidding. Mm. Uh, salvation. Michael Patrick Barber, what every Catholic should know. How do we get this? Yeah, it's you great, can find it on catholic.market. Uh, okay. People can get it on Amazon.com, all the other places. I would say, even though the subtitle is what every Catholic should know, I hope that non-Catholics will read this as well. And that's why on the back cover, we've got endorsements from Protestant biblical scholars like yeah. Joshua Jipp, great scholar at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, Ben Blackwell at Houston Baptist University. So you can also awesome. give this to non-Catholics and say, see, you know, non-Catholics yep. also... We think you know, more. Think we we, we think more similarly than than they than they think, and once they if they read that, and, and actually I love this quote, Alan, yeah. uh, Alan Stanley, uh, uh, yeah. right? He wrote counterpoints and different uh, different denominations and a Catholic talking about right. salvation, and he said if Barber's wrong, it's because he thinks grace can do too much. That's right. That's yeah. so cool. That means a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, that's well, you know, a lot beautiful. of people balk at Catholic understandings of Mary, and they'll say, oh, you you put Mary too high up on a pedestal. It's like, oh, you don't think grace can make someone that holy? Yeah. Hey, so, awesome? so I guess the problem is you don't think grace is that amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Praise God. But she's full of grace and she shows us what grace can do to us. Amen. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. He gives us this great gift, but we got to work to stay in that gift. And it's part of the whole story of, of well, it's, it's this subsidiary. It's like, like teaching your kids to walk. He just, mm -hmm. he wants us to be what he is, to mm -hmm. do what he does. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so Thank much, you brother. Thank you so much. It appreciate it. Really it. enjoy having you on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Thanks for being with us. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know. <laughs>